Welcome to Beyond the Business, presented by the Coastal Financial Planning Group. Each Saturday morning at 8.30, listen in to successful business leaders and entrepreneurs from across the low country talk about what it takes to succeed in business and in life. Now your hosts, Rick Durkee, Eric Cox, and Leslie Haywood. And good morning, Low Country. Welcome to another edition of Beyond the Business, heard exclusively here on 94.3 WSC. Hope you're having a great Saturday morning. And as always, uh, I'm one of your co-hosts here this morning, Eric Cox, along with our other two co-hosts. I'm Leslie Haywood, and thank you so much for sharing your Saturday morning with us. And by the way, to continue the fun beyond Saturday mornings, make sure and like our Facebook page, Beyond the Business, or talk to us on Twitter at BTBCHS, which stands for Beyond the Business Charleston. Use hashtag BTBCHS because we would like to have a conversation all week long. And our other, our third co-host... Rick Durkee. Hey, <laughs> glad to be here on the airwaves now at 830. Had to get me up a half hour early to get in here for this show, but I'm glad to be part of Beyond the Business. Well, looking good. You got a face for radio, so that's good. Good, good. Wow, that's a good way to start off our show this morning. <laughs> so uh, in case this is your first time listening to us, uh, Beyond the Business, it's a show designated for uh, leaders and entrepreneurs here in the Low Country, where each week we bring them on to talk about their background, talk about certainly their success stories, to share with you, our listener, and uh, share ideas on uh, business philosophies and what makes individuals successful here in the low country when it comes to leadership. Hey, and uh, along that lines, I'd like to put out a, a little plug for uh, Larry Collette and uh, Charleston Leaders, great new group of uh, leaders that just started up. Uh, they had their first meeting yesterday afternoon at um, Water's Edge, and uh, great to uh, hang out with those folks. So just want to give a plug for Larry Collette, and yep. hopefully he's listening in, and hopefully they'll supply us some leaders for our show to share with the other people here in town. And what organization is that, Rick? Charleston Leaders. Charleston. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that is new. It's a networking I've, group. Yep. I've not heard of that. Yep. Wonderful. Brand Good new. information. Wonderful. Well, this morning we have another great guest in the studio, so we're excited to have the headmaster of Palmetto Christian Academy, Mr. J.D. Zubia. Welcome to the studio this morning. Good morning. Great to be here. Appreciate you taking time on a Saturday morning to come in and visit with us and share your insights. I'm certainly looking forward to uh, hearing your story here in just a moment. Thank you so much. Now, before we get, uh, we like to delve into the early years, but uh, can you give us a little bit of information about Palmetto Christian Academy before we get into into your past and try not to make you cry? Like we like to say that Eric's, you know, the Barbara Walters of radio. Sure. So, and, and this is a commercial part, so feel free to go ahead on yeah. the well, PCA and let it let it loose. Absolutely, because I think we're the best kept secret uh, in Mount Pleasant. So uh, Palmetto Christian Academy this year is celebrating our 25th anniversary. So it was uh, born out of, uh, in, as are many uh, schools that are formed by churches, congregation of a great church, East Cooper Baptist Church, decided about 25 years ago that we wanted to serve the community. They wanted to, to have a, uh, first a K-8 through school, which is how most start, and then uh, some years back we started up a high school. So it's right now um, actually nursery all the way to 12th grade. So we ha- even have 18-month-old kids in there, and we have 625 kids in our school right now. So we're excited this year. Uh, We're embarking on uh, some really neat things, one of which is a student life center to kind of expand even more because we are um, kind of bursting out of those facilities there. So we're so excited. We have a great church, a great congregation uh, who has supported us for years, and uh, we just have uh, what I consider the best group of teachers that you can imagine with your kids. So 
Well, I know next week uh, when you come back to join us uh, Saturday morning at 830, you're going to hear really a lot about what's going on with PCA uh, and the work that you guys are doing there. And, and as you said, the growth that you're all experiencing resembles what's going on in Charleston as a whole and Mount Pleasant as a whole. So it'll be exciting. So unfortunately, if you can't uh, uh, get up early enough next uh, week to hear us, we'll, we'll have a podcast of that as well. But uh, we'll hear the second half uh, next Saturday morning. But before we get to that portion, Leslie, I think we're going to talk a little bit about something uh, this week. Yeah, let's talk about um, your early influences. Take us back. Go go way back. Where are you from? I was actually, I'm, I'm from El Paso, Texas. Uh, we just moved here in July of last year, but uh, I was actually born in uh, in North Carolina. I was born at uh, Cherry Point, which is the Marine Corps Air Station. Uh, my dad was stationed there, so both my parents were uh, born and raised in El Paso. But uh, my dad loved the Marine Corps and, and speaks fondly of. Uh, his travels, he got to travel overseas and stuff. But um, the only thing he ever told us about Cherry Point was he was glad not to live through any more hurricanes. Okay. So that's that's all I know about that upbringing. But about a year, uh, when I was a year old, I we moved. You know, my family moved to uh, El Paso. So my two older brothers they got to know a little bit about North Carolina. But I can't say I remember much about that. So. A kind of structured uh, childhood then in the military and and the the Marines was it or very yeah yeah. yeah. My, my wow. dad, you know, Marine through and through, and uh, we were. Um, it was interesting growing up because from the time I was young, my dad instilled a lot of you know the order that mm-hmm. he saw in the Marines. So uh, we joke about uh, remembering when I was very young, and I can remember even being in first grade. He, he used to wake us up at 6 in the morning, uh, most Saturday mornings, to inventory his tools and to lay them out <laughs> oh, in the living room so that we could uh, account for everything and we knew how to take care of things. So. Well, I want to reiterate, because my children are listening this morning, uh, to uh, just realize how lucky they have it. If that, that's that's okay. right. That's right. So so that that was really the kind of childhood I had was um, he instilled a, a lot of that. So not only the, the you know, stewardship and those values, but he was, you know, I mean, up at the crack of dawn and, and we got to work. We had chores to do. Um, we didn't get even in the summer. We didn't get to go out and play football, basketball, anything like that. And we would love sports. But. Uh, we had to do our chores first, and uh, and he'd check on us. How many children did you have in your family? Uh, we I had two older brothers. Did so, you? yeah, mm-hmm. they're four and five years older than, than me. And so, um, yeah, I kind of ran with that crowd. I always ran with a little bit uh, older crowd than, than myself. But um, we had fun, but we knew the value of work, and we also knew that that had to be done first. So Now, um, having that, that work ethic, did that transfer into your um, into your academic life? What kind of student were you? Uh, I don't want to be modest, but uh, I was a good student. I was really good. I, I liked. I'm a self-professed nerd. I mean, I loved the sciences, especially math and science. But I was a good student, and I think, yeah, it had a lot to do with it. We were we were just taught to again do first things first. So um, there was no messing around about homework. You know, we got home, we did homework first, and and took care of business basically. So it, it did affect it. Now, now I can tell you, my older brothers. I mean, they were okay students. Um, so who knows the whole nature versus nurture, but I know we were raised in the same kind of home, but um, in our own ways, we all excelled in everything. I, mine was academics, really. That's what I liked. So I know one of the questions that Leslie brings up a lot of times on this show, so I'm going to steal this one from you, Leslie. Is, Go ahead. Uh, the, 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 question, <coughs> excuse me, the question of whether leadership is something that you're born with or is leadership something that you uh, accumulate certainly through your upbringing and you learn that over time? Uh, in your opinion, kind of coming through to where you are today and you look back to those early years, which way was it for you? I, I do believe that the, the nature part, I think, you know, sort of genetically we're predisposed to having certain, you know, 
certain uh, um, qualities and certain personality traits. I think God actually takes all those together and, and puts them together so with experiences and everything else. But I think it starts with, you know, sort of you, you look at um, just our genetic makeup. You know, people will talk about you being, you know, type A personality or whatever. I, I'm more the orderly type. You know, if, if I had to compare with other people, I, I'm a little more meticulous about things. So I think that part is is the nature part. But I do believe that all the leadership capabilities after that are, are, are formed, are taught. You know, I think that you get good mentors in your life and you realize um, how you learn from experiences. Again, I think God takes all of that uh, and, and brings ex- experiences based on where he wants us to, to serve him. Uh, then he will bring those uh, those things to light, and, and you can start working on them as you get experiences, as you get things that that you're um, uh, that you have to deal with. Then then you might find out whether or not a leadership role is for you. And I think in, in my situation, those kind of became apparent that um, I was led to positions. Even when you're in school, you know, when you're in in PE and you get to be the the leader for calisthenics, or you're you know you're National Honor Society and you get made president, you start to see those things. But, but those, I think a lot of that is learned. Um, it's, just the, it's just the other little things that make you successful that are just part of your genetic makeup. Like, like I'm, I try to be early wherever I go, and, and I'm very orderly and organized and those kind of things. So I think that had to be part of your military background also. <laughs> uh, I think you're probably right. They're, they're, yeah, we, we joke about that. My daughter always talks about that. It's like, I know, Dad. I know there's everybody else's time and there's Zubia time because we would always say, I'd say if you're not you know, 10 or 5 minutes early, then you're late. You know, and so... J.D., I think one of these um, um, nuances here and in, in, in talking about people that are on time and all, Eric and I both have to admit that we try to cram everything we can into the 24 hours of a day. So we're usually right on time or maybe a minute or two late, but we're right on time and on schedule. Uh, Eric, you got a comment? Well, I'm laughing because uh, I sent uh, J.D. an email yesterday about coming to the show, and I said, and if you don't mind, show up 10 minutes early. He probably laughed at me with that email. Yeah, <laughs> J.D. probably was planning on being 20 minutes early anyway. <laughs> but, uh, hey, one of, the, one of the great coaches in all football history, though, set his clock at the stadium 15 minutes early, Vince Lombardi. Yeah, mm-hmm. just so everybody was on time for practice. Right, right. I'm one of those on-time people as well. Um, now... Growing up, what did you in high school? What did you want to be when you grew up? Did you always like, like we talked about that leadership was kind of in your DNA and you were kind of groomed for it? But what uh, in high school? What were you leaning towards? I, you know, from the time I was young, and, and I'll tell you that the whole you know kind of nerdiness story. I, I remember when a lot of kids. Now, now I, I still played sports stuff, so I, I had fun. I played in mm-hmm. high school and played football and stuff. But um, when kids were asking for different things for birthday, I actually. In like eighth grade, I think was I asked for a chemistry set, and so oh, I wow. really was into the sciences, right. and uh, and I wanted to be a doctor, and and that that um, was with me for a long time, even through middle school and high school, and I took an anatomy class mm-hmm. in uh, high school, and I was I loved it. I mean, it was great. It was hard. It was very difficult, but but I, I loved it. and I knew that that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to go uh, to medical school. So even when I went into college. Um, you know, I majored in microbiology and minored in chemistry, and uh, and so they call that pre-med. I mean, it, it, there can be a lot of things that are pre-med, but that's that was my track. I wanted to become a doctor. I wanted to do that for a long time. And what happened that, I mean, you're not a doctor, so. <laughs> you're right. I, you're, you're right. I'm not a doctor. You are not a doctor. Well, how um, did How did that, how did the, you know, the trajectory of your life change yeah. so drastically? Well, believe it or not, um, I, my lovely wife of almost uh, 33 years. Oh, we congratulations. Started, thank you. We started dating in high school. I was a junior and she was a sophomore. 
And um, we talked about it. And we talked about me becoming a doctor. And uh, she started noticing very early that once I got onto something, I was going to work till I got it right. Um, that can be detrimental to family sure. life. Well, well, we um, were together through college and, and in fact, uh, got married in my last semester at school. All I had was some research to finish up. So we got married and um, we actually were doing a lot of research. I was working for a laboratory already to get myself uh, ready. So I had two years under my belt working for a medical laboratory in El Paso. And um, we talked about it. We actually went, went out to dinner with some doctors and, uh, and, and, and some friends who had gone off to medical school. And what we were seeing was, uh, you know, maybe this, I mean, this is not everybody's story, but we had friends who were already a few years into medical school um, divorced. Uh, the, one of the couples that we went to dinner with, he was called out at dinner and never came back because he, you know, he had to take care of an emergency. And literally we prayed about it. And my wife and I, uh, at that time, my, my uh, well, yeah, my wife at, at that time, because we were applying for medical school, we talked about it and, and um, said, you know, I, I don't know if I can do what I want to do as a husband and father and be at my kids' games and do all that. And a lot of people can do that. Knowing my personality and, and how I'm so sort of laser-focused on things, I decided I didn't think I could do that. And so truthfully, as much as we joke sometimes and my, my kids will say, Mom, did you really keep Dad from going to, high, to, to medical school? No, that's not it. We really prayed about it, and we didn't think that that was the way to go. So I went to the doctors who I worked for, the pathologists at the lab, and I said, um, listen, I, 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 I'm, I'm changing my plans. I think we really prayed about it and, and, and this we're going. And, and he was so gracious. The, the head of the laboratory said, um, all right, you know, I think, I think you've got some leadership skills and some things. I'm going to give you a department in the laboratory. And, and, and I graduated and the next you know, week I started taking over, um, the, the purchasing department at this laboratory and eventually, you know, worked my way up to taking over that lab. So it's amazing how the road twists and turns and we end up where we do. That's right. Um, well, but just the insight at that young age to realize, know thyself. I'm 45 years old and I don't know myself. So that's <laughs> um, that's amazing for you to you guys to be so young to make such a mature decision and having a dream. Like you said, you had this dream your whole life of what you thought your life was going to look like and then be really pragmatic about it and go, look, I just uh, that's that's uh, amazing. That's an amazing story. Well, the great thing about it is that it, it was like everything was lost. I was still around the sciences with the laboratory. What I found was as I got into it, I really loved the business side of the laboratory. I really did. I, and, and, I, and I didn't know that I would. But, you know, math and science is, is kind of tied in. Anyway, there's a lot of business principles that, that apply there. So um, I, I, I have not really felt like I missed out on anything. No well, regret, huh? Well, you know, we, we joke about that when, when my kids, you know, kind of look at it and say, Dad, I mean, what if you were a doctor and, you know, can – can you imagine what, what would that have been like? And, and we would have, you know, maybe taken trips here and there. I say, <laughs> you know, you know, the, the really neat thing about it is that when God has a purpose for you and, and you do have the twists and turns, whatever, and, and you submit to, to his will, he takes care of the happiness part. And I am just married to the most wonderful woman and two great kids. And I, not only do I have no regrets, I submit to the fact that he had a perfect plan for me and, and that's great. 
I'm glad he was looking out for me. I hope they're listening. That was <laughs> quite the plug. I hope I hope me the too, misses. Honey. Me too. Honey. <laughs> um, so um, I'm going to go back to that moment where sort of you you were graduating college and you're going out into the professional community for the first time. And you mentioned at the top of the show about mentors. And uh, one of my mentors in life made a quote to me when I was really young. It said, "Eric, your your life will be shaped and formed by two things, uh, and two things mainly. That's the people you meet." And the books that you read. We'll get to books probably in the second segment next week. But for this week, you mentioned mentors in your life. And when you look back through your upbringing, through college, high school and college, before you move into the professional world, who would you say are some of the mentors that helped shape and form who you were up to that point? I think, you know, uh, most of mine, I think, were uh, kind of teachers and, and professors because at that time I, d- I didn't know. Um, that I was going to end up in the business uh, side of uh, on the business side of the lab, so it was mostly teachers. I remember my again my my anatomy teacher in uh, in high school, kind of a quirky guy, but I think most <laughs> scientists are. Uh, but just you know, he 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 um, showed me the uh, that it was that science was hard. I mean, the anatomy we had lots of. I mean, we had to memorize every bone in the body and you know, all the muscles and all this. But but he just made it so fun and so engaging that he he taught me. Um, I think later on how to uh, handle training sessions and how to talk with people and, and make things um, exciting. And, and so I, I, I credit him with that. But then I had uh, uh, Dr. Jones, who was my uh, uh, professor for microbiology, and I did research under him at, uh, at the University of Texas, El Paso. He was my mentor because he just, um, again, you know, you got to admit they're just quirky guys, but um, just showed me how to uh, do research and and how to love that and uh, and then it was very personal too so I, I learned that side of it too that you could actually have relationships with uh, with mentors like like a professor like that who was just willing to you know uh, find out about us personally pour his life into us just just you know uh, get to know us and 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 I've used that later on in, in knowing that wherever I went um, it really is that whole adage about you know they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Um, I try to think about that. I try to think about the fact that when you lead people, uh, you got to get to know them, and you got to, you know, you got to. If you're going to be a, a shepherd, if you want to use that, you you, you got to know who you're shepherding. You got to know individually what people are like and and what their worries are, what their concerns are, what their needs are. So I've used those, uh, but it's it's interesting because again, most of my mentors at that time were the guys in the science areas because that's what i love so great quote that you had there jd um so how did we go from there into um your first uh position in the business world um well i was um so so when i graduated he gave me that department and and i worked there at the laboratory and and you know cut my teeth on purchasing and supplies it wasn't very glamorous and and you know, about the closest I got to doing science was I was talking to the lab people about what supplies they needed and stuff. But but I just I loved it. I, I loved just, you know, again, when that mindset you have about being orderly and stuff, doing budgets and, and you know, spreadsheets, I got to do all that. And so I, I did that for a while and then uh, really got into the um, to the sales end and went to uh, went into uh, sort of laboratory sales and marketing and that kind of thing. So just every step that I went through in, in the organization, I, I just loved it. So I found I loved sales and marketing. Mm-hmm. And then I went to operations, and I loved operations. And, and so it's just I think it's it, we go back to the, kind of the leadership skills. And when you learn that they're all related, so they can translate to different departments and different organizations. Um, so I find myself uh, really more when people say, well, are you more kind of uh, you like the accounting part, or you like the, I like the leadership part. I, mm-hmm. I, I do. I like the 
leading groups of people and working with them, that's, that's really the best. So, so later on, as we talk uh, next week about book stuff, you'll find that those happen to be the, the books I like are the ones that, that have to do more with leadership. See, so. now it sounds all nice and rosy and everything is fabulous when I know that there were some mistakes that you made along the way early. Going back to those early days when you were developing your leadership style and kind of getting your feet wet, what were some of the, uh, maybe one mistake that you made back then that you've now corrected and are a better leader for it? I think the main thing is, you know, you have to know your personality. My personality is, again, I'm very structured. And, and you know, when, when you look at how people deal with things, you, you, know, you kind of hear the, these things like he's a, they're either people, I'm a people person or, mm-hmm. I, or I'm not. Well, usually what happens is you're, you either focus a lot on tasks or you focus a lot on relationships. Right. Most people try to have a good balance with that. Um, in my, I think in all my early positions, I was so focused on, you know, uh, when you're in sales, making your quota or, you know, uh, making your budget or doing anything like that, that I was, I was too task oriented. And so looking back, made a lot of mistakes with regard to not getting to know people well enough, not getting to know their needs, running off in a direction that looked good on paper, that, that perhaps, um, was, was even good for the organization, mm-hmm from strictly the numbers part of it. And, and that's actually uh, kind of your nature as you're a math and science person, right? You're looking at everything analytically. Um, so the hardest part for me was um, I had a, a great mentor later on in, in, uh, in one of our, uh, the laboratory later on as we, we got kind of bought out and we got to be bigger. Um, but Bill Kinzer, who was our vice president in Dallas, and, and he said to me, um, you're going to have to get thick skinned because in, in this big organization, we do 360 reviews, you mm-hmm. know, where you have your every level of the organization is is evaluating you. And uh, that was tough because I got high marks on all the analytical, on the, all the tasks, but the relationship part and, and, and you, know, you try to rationalize and you try to, well, that, you know, eh, there's something wrong. They, that person, you know, whatever didn't. Yeah, they obviously don't like me. That's yeah, their problem, yeah, not mine. That was a bad day or whatever. No, it was actually my problem. My problem was that I. I, I get, you know, again, laser focused on something. I got to get this job done. And I, and I wasn't listening to people and I wasn't, I wasn't obviously meeting their needs. Um, people who feel good about what they're doing, people who are connected and feel like they have um, a place in the organization, an important job, they're the ones that are really productive. And I, I was not making people feel that way. For me to come out and go, hey, guys, we're, I'm so excited. We hit the budget and everything. But on the other side, yeah, but, you know, we got all these other concerns that you haven't really asked us about. Again, it's such tough. insight. It's tough. And I'm going to give you the new title of Barbara Walters with these challenging <laughs> questions there, Leslie. I love it. So, uh, you know, you spent 15, 16 years uh, in corporate America, again, uh, running divisions. Sounds like you all had about a $30 million budget there at the pinnacle that uh, where you were. Uh, talk a little bit about sort of uh, – obviously, there's this moment that comes about in your life, and we'll lead into next week the details of it. But uh, sort of where you hit the pinnacle of it's time for a change to, to leave the corporate America world where it sounds like you're excelling to go do something different. And, and you know, that's interesting because I love the corporate environment. Yeah, I, I do. And a lot of people go like, oh, you know, the, the doggy dog and the shark tank or whatever. I, I, I like it. I, I like I like corporate America. I really do. And, and um, the interesting thing is that um, I, uh, as a lot of people, you know, people can call it midlife crisis or whatever. I, I just was sitting there one day and, and we were doing well financially and, and um, 
um, the kids were in, you know, a Christian school in El Paso and everything's good. And then I, um, I don't know, it was, it was, it was sort of a process over a, a few years. Um, I was praying about it and I was asking God, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not sure that this is all there is, you know, I mean, it's, it's okay. And, and we're okay as a family, but I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm feeling like I'm a little too materialistic. I'm feeling like I'm uh, not focusing maybe on the right things. I'm seeing it a little bit in my kids that they like the trappings of our success and the money, but I, I don't know. Something's missing. I know a lot of people go through that, but I, I we really um, prayed about it, my wife and I, and, and, and talked about it. And, and uh, just to show you how God has a plan, you know, you have a minor, you know, like I, my minor was in chemistry, but I had all these extra elective hours that I actually way back then liked the whole idea of teaching. So I got um, kind of a second minor, not officially, but didn't do a student teaching, but in, in secondary education, which kind of shows you God's plan. Right, for, right, right. Yeah. So, so I knew that I might want to do something like that when my kids were in school and I'm praying about what to do. And my son comes home and starts talking about, you know, he's in high school at that time and says, you know, um, he's struggling with preparing for the SAT and things like that. And I don't know. I always kind of, you know, liked education stuff. I said, well, let me look into that. And all of a sudden, um, I found myself volunteering for the school and uh, wrote a handbook on uh, SAT prep and things like that. And uh, and then the principal of the school, after a couple of years of doing that, said, uh, would you ever be interested? You know, if we hit about 100 students, we're going to, you know, we're going to need a counselor. And that's how it happened. And they opened the, it, it, the doors opened and I ended up becoming the first counselor at that school in El Paso, and um, and that was it. I was hooked. Your career in education started uh, right there. Yeah, one absolutely. door closes and another one opens, right. right? Led That's by right. God. Great. So in the last few minutes we have uh, left in this show before we have to break for next week, J.D., uh, talk a little bit about that because that's a big move to go from this corporate position um, where, like you said, where you're used to this lifestyle, and next thing you know, a couple years later, you're a counselor at a school. Uh, how was that decision impactful to the overall family? It was a uh, horrible realization that um, we had not planned for that. <laughs> it was uh, seriously, um, it was really a um, using our, our 401k money. My wife uh, going back to work, she had not worked and stayed home with the kids. Uh, and so she uh, got her alternative certification to go teach. She had a degree in English, but she went to teach. Um, it was it was very tough. My daughter cried. Right. And if she hears this program. Sure. She's going to say, you had to say that, Dad. But she <laughs> cried and she said, we're never going to have nice things again. <gasps> and yeah, it was really tough. And I have wow. to tell you that the lesson, another good lesson for me, you should always be prepared if God calls you to do something else because, because we were woefully unprepared. And uh, it was tough. It, it hurt us financially. But I tell you, I have, again, wonderful wife who, you know, went to work and supported me, and we did uh, what we had to do. J.D., it sounds like a, a story just like any uh, business owner that would be starting up a new business. You know, you got to take three steps back to go so many steps forward. So uh congratulate you on that leap of faith, mm -hmm. okay? Um, Leslie, we're out of time. I know, I know. Where did that 30 minutes this, go? In this episode. So maybe just a, a quick um, recap of today here and say that we are beyond the business. We're talking with 
J.D. Zubia, and J.D. is going to be joining us for next week's show again, where we'll talk more about J.D.'s current position and how he uh, leads others in his leadership roles as headmaster of Palmetto Christian Academy. Wonderful, wonderful. And uh, make sure and follow us on our Facebook page, uh, BTBCHS on Twitter, hashtag BTBCHS. And thank you so much, Low Country, for spending this morning with us. And please make sure and come back to so you can finish the story with JD at 8.30 next Saturday. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Business, presented by the Coastal Financial Planning Group. If you're a successful business leader or entrepreneur and would like to be featured on a future program, send an email to rick at cfpgroup.biz. Listen in next Saturday morning at 8.30 for Beyond the Business, presented by the Coastal Financial Planning Group and heard exclusively on News Radio 94.3 WSC. 